Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoon. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I am Nicole DeBoon, and this is a special episode. About a month ago, a friend of mine, an amazing woman who I have previously interviewed a few years ago, called me up and she said, Nicole, I'm dying and I want to share my story. It's time. I was told to get out my bucket list and you know what I wrote? Talk to Nicole, get back on the podcast and share what I know about living a great life. And so today you are going to hear someone who is living to the very end. Her name is Diane Barbarian and the previous episode is number 84 and I titled it the most positive person on the planet. Because despite the fact that what what I mentioned just now, the idea that death is near for somebody who, who is so loved by so many, it's so heavy. But Diane is the farthest thing from heavy. She is a very light being and she emits that light all over the world, all over the universe. And those of you who've already listened to her, you felt that lightness. And so today, who am I to say no to a request like that? Of course, I need to have her on the show. I need to have one more amazing, deep conversation with this woman. And I need to help her celebrate her life while she's still here. How cool is that? You know, for all of us who love people around us, who appreciate them so greatly, but don't take the time, don't take a moment to tell them how much they mean to us, this is your time. And yeah, I'm getting choked up because I already did the interview and I love this woman. And it hurts me to think that she may not be here with us soon, but Ah, this is life. This is one thing we know. The one thing we know is that we won't all be here. And so if you get anything today out of this episode, it's that you can die gracefully and you can die while still remaining the most positive person on the planet. Ah, And so I'm going to pull it together for all of you right now because there is so much in this episode today, so much in this conversation. You're going to stop a bunch of times and you're going to write things down and that's how it should be because Diane is leaving a legacy. So if you need to pause right now and uh, go back and listen to episode 84, I encourage you to do that. What I'm going to say is you really don't need to pull out the Kleenex and the tissues because it's not about that today. It's about listening to what Diane has to say, listening to the things that are important at the end of the road, and to, uh, to open your arms and open your heart 
And even if you don't know her, give her a big hug. (laughs) Actually, get over to her Iron Maven page on Facebook. Just search Diane Barbarian. She has a page where she is chronicling how she's doing by the day. And uh, while she's still here, tell her what you think. Tell her one thing you got out of this conversation. I think it will mean the world to her. It will mean the world to me. And so everyone, here's to bucket lists. Here's to uh, the knowledge that you are listening to a wonderful conversation with a woman who is ready to share. So on that note, let's bring Diane Barbarian on the show. Are you there? I'm there. You okay. there? We got this. All right. Okay. The hardest. There's nobody here to technologically back me up. So big day for me. Big day. You're on your own. Oh I my know. gosh. Diane, <laughs> this is, we did an interview over two years ago. It was episode 84. It was called yeah. for everybody listening needs to go back and listen to that one as well. And you will want to after today <laughs> called Diane Barbarian, the most positive person on the planet. Absolutely. So, no pressure there. No, no. pressure. And I still stand by that because I re-listened. I've listened to it many times now. I re-listened again before our conversation today because I wanted to refresh on how positive and special you are. And you are absolutely living up to the standard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, So at that time, you were recovered from cancer, but you had lost your vision. You were like still doing all this cool, crazy athletic stuff, working out like nuts and uh, changing people's lives, enjoying your life. Yep. And then you reached out to me recently because something else happened. And that's why we're talking today. So maybe let's lay the groundwork. Why are we talking? Why are we doing this again? We were in the process two years ago of talking about my 10 month journey of what we call reporting symptoms and not being um, diagnosed for 10 months on my, my first cancer. Um, So moving forward um, after my first PET scan revealed no cancer, I was told that now we go into early detection mode um, with the assumption that, I would probably revisit cancer again. Um, Type of cancer I had, I had a 75% um, success rate the first time. Um, So I did very well, went into remission, um, lots of side effects were my issues. But the early detection issue over those two years was me being scoped by my uh, ear, nose, and throat doctor because my cancer was up in my neck. Um, But I kept asking, well, can I have cancer in other parts of my body? And how will we know? And that's part of early detection. You're going to keep telling me, and we're going to do inspection. Um, So how did this all happen again? Um, I did cut back on my activity because one of the side effects from the first treatment was osteoporosis. So I stress fractures twice. a fibula break so bad that it had to be surgically repaired. Um, so early detection, I am now telling them that my body hurts. And I kept having pain in my back and in my spine. And they said, well, that's osteoporosis. 
So even though that's a complaint that I reported, and we're going to move forward on that one. Um, so I ended up with a rheumatologist who was going to treat me for um, osteoporosis. We could avoid some more of these stress fractures. Um, the uh, medication that they wanted me to take was not covered by my insurance. So I was in the process of asking for other different programs, you know, if, if we can boost, you know, my, my bone strength, then I can still be active, even though I wasn't as active as before. So that's what I considered part of my early detection, telling them something was not right. Um, but um, a couple months later, I found out that I started having the swallowing symptoms again. And by the end of February this year, um, I couldn't get anything past like chin level. Like food, a uh, sip of water came back out. Food never went down. Uh, complaining about my ribs are hurting, but it was that, that function that got their attention um, with the no swallowing. So I ended up being scoped three times um, until they actually found a mass sitting outside my esophagus in my body cavity. And that was stopping me from swallowing. Um, there was also another mass uh, in my stomach. So I was always I was starting to have GI issues. You know, I'm out for a run and I'm like, I have no idea why this is happening. But, you know, I, I now have GI issues when I run. Um, my ribs hurt, you know, I, I, it's getting harder for me to work out. Um, so when I reported that whole swallow issue, they found the, the mass. So they go in, I get my PET scan now because they found a mass. And actually the biggest extent was my bone. So I have bone cancer uh, everywhere from my clavicle down to my acetabulum, my hip joint. Um, so the ribs, uh, so one of the areas of my spine is T12, which I have ribs coming off of that area. So the, the rib pain was starting to wake me up, but they never took that serious. They took me serious when I stopped being able to swallow. Um, so this moving forward with this um, diagnosis, we did um, 15 radiation sessions and that shrunk the uh, mass that was in the, the cavity. So basically what I was told the first day I heard, and again, COVID time, I'm getting this on a, a video with my doctor who is reading to me my PET scan. And I'm with a friend, you know, making sure we're getting this all. And I'm writing large print, you know, vision impaired Diane. And he is listing like all the cancer in my body. And we get to the end of the eight and a half by 11. And I went, just stop. Like, I have cancer all, all through my body. So just stop, you know? And, you know, what are we going to do? Like, and I'm sitting, of course, with the same friend who's been with me every time I've heard, you know, you have cancer. And I said to him, well, you know, what's the plan this time? And he said, uh, you won't be cured um, because it's spread. And um, so you're not going to be cured, first, you know, highlight of that day. And um, we're, we're only going to think now about palliative care and quality of life. And I said, okay, so I'm, I'm dying. 
And he was like, well, I can't really say that, you know? And I'm like, I work in a nursing home. Palliative care and quality life means, and you just said you can't cure me. So I'm dying. And well, we, you know, we can't say that. I'm like, okay. Um, so I'm like, what's the next strategy? What are we going to do? So again, we start radiation and then you're going to go get some form of uh, chemo or I'm, I wasn't eligible for chemo because of the, the extent of the spread. So we tried um, the immunosuppressant, Keytruda. Uh, uh, long story short, I just found out that uh, after the whole cycle of that, which was four times, I was treated four times every three weeks. Then I had a PET scan and was told that um, it did absolutely nothing for me and the cancer actually spread. So I spent all those chemicals going through my body and it did nothing for me. So sit down again. Well, let me back up a little bit. I did ask in Florida, I'm in Pennsylvania now. Um, when I asked them in Florida about the whole dying issue and, you know, what are we going to do? Um, and they were, wouldn't answer me. And then I finally just said, I've known you for four years. I want it. I want facts. I want straight. I need to make decisions. So how long could I live if I didn't take any treatment? And they were like, you don't want to do that. And I'm like, why? Well, you know, bone cancer is going to be very painful. It's a painful death. Okay, that's reality. Um, how long could I live if I didn't take a treatment? And she said a month. And I said, well, then I'll go ahead and do the treatment because I have things to do. I have things to get lined up in a month, obviously. is not enough time. Um, so we moved forward from that day. Um, I left Florida. I'm with my family now in Pennsylvania, um, being treated here. In Phil I'm outside of Philadelphia, where I grew up. So, uh, you know, my family is here with me, which we had already planned. You know, who's going to take care of Aunt Diane when she's old? Uh, so I already knew where I was going to be. I'm in the house exactly where we had planned, not at 62. We figured 80, you know, and I'd be living here. So I'm here now. Um, wow, Diane. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what people can't see that I can see right now is that through sharing this news and literally the news that you've been told, this is it. Yeah. Get this it on your bucket list, she told me. Get your bucket list going. Right. Right. You, are, you are smiling. Half right. of the time in sharing this tale, like, there... <laughs> And I just look at that and I think there's something here. Like, how can you smile and maintain a positive outlook through the news that you've been given? Yeah. Well, kind of another interesting thing. Um, I, I, I talked to Joanna Zeiger, who is also, uh, I'm sure you know who that is. You know, we were talking about the athlete's mindset because I thought that, you know, a couple months ago, a year ago, that I kept saying, I, I just don't feel right. Something doesn't feel right in my body, but I kept doing things a little different. I, I started walking more than running. Um, Joanna and I talked about, you know, accepting where you're at and, you know, at least you're still doing things. And so I started just was on some weird path and I'd say to my friends, I'm not quite sure what I'm going, going through, 
but I'm in some kind of transition and I started doing more uh, meditating and sitting quiet and stretching more because I thought, well, the back pain is obviously coming from the osteoporosis, so I'll make sure I keep my mobility. Um, but I think the sitting still um, got me so prepared for all this. I'm not, you know, I mean, do I want to die? No. Do I want it to be a painful death? No. But if you've already been told, like, okay, the writing's on the wall, how, how am I going to play it out? I mean, what am I in control of? Well, as we know, my attitude. Um, and I feel that by my family allowing me to make my plans, like, my way, you know, things that I want, like, let me clean my own house out. You know, there was, I did it three years ago. Um, I journal a lot. And all I could picture was my, you know, you're dead and your family's cleaning up your stuff. And then they go, oh, heck, we don't even have to do anything else. Let's read these 12 years of, you know, what Aunt Diane thought about, you know, for 12 years. So I already threw them out uh, the last time. And then this time I did it again. I'm like, all right, I'll throw the, these three years out. So I got rid of that. But they allowed me to um, clean up my own apartment and decide what I was bringing to Pennsylvania. Um, my friends had to come in and help me sell furniture um, during COVID. You know, again, I'm not going to have people coming in and out of my place um, while I'm sick and I'm visually impaired. I mean, they could have left with anything. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I had a great group of friends come in. I would take, you know, when I had energy, um, go through a drawer, go through a closet, did the keep, sell, you know, sell furniture, donate, um, so people just took care of everything. And then my family came in and, um, we cleaned up the last few days. And then probably the biggest story as we talk about my positive life and, you know, keeping the circle, which is why I had so many, my village is so big, you know, with my family not being there, uh, my friends, old coworkers came in and helped me get everything together. Um, but during the time that I was getting ready to leave, I was also very sick, sicker than I look now. Um, and I couldn't figure out how I was going to get to Pennsylvania on a commercial flight or, you know, um, are we going to rent if my family was going to like fly in, rent a van, but I didn't think I could handle the, you know, the, the drive that, I just sat, and again, the meditating, sit on things long enough, the answer will come. And I have a very good acquaintance. No, he's a friend. I shouldn't say acquaintance. Um, who has a private plane, and he flew us home. So, so you sat on that long enough that a private plane showed up. <laughs> showed up. Maybe, you know, you sit, and, and I kept saying, there's an answer. There's an answer. I just have to ask the question. I don't know what the who I'm going to ask, but there's an answer out there. And I got up and I thought, well, the old theory that if you don't ask, the answer is always no. So I just reached out and said, I have like the biggest question to ask and um, just tell me what's a good time to call. And I, I called him up and I said, and I was crying. I mean, it's very humbling to ask for such a big favor. And I said, I have like the biggest favor to ask you and um, probably the coolest thing I've ever heard is it doesn't matter what your question is. The answer is yes. Oh my so, God. Yeah. I didn't even know I was going to ask for him to fly me home. 
That is, that's yeah. incredible. I mean, you are being given back what you have given yeah. to so many over all these years yeah. coming back to you. That's what I'm telling people. It's so important to have a village. You have to belong somewhere. Belong. So how did you build your village? Okay. So this connection in particular, my village, of course, revolves around running or triathlon. Um, And, you know, my needs over the years were needing guides. And, you know, we, I would reach out wherever we, we go and say, well, you know, Uh, homestays are just awesome ways to meet new people learn about places that where you're staying you know they show you you know more intricate things so the gentleman who flew me home was actually a um, homestay for me in 2014 and 2015 in Boston so I have a big Boston community kind of village which is oh yeah, fun. yeah. I mean, I have other other people, um, you know, carefully uh, around the United States. So, but yes, it was nice to be able to again have people come in and help me pack up, and to be able to fly home um, and not be stressed by you know commercial flights and the, uh, other people. But it was again, I didn't even know that could be a bucket list, but that was pretty cool bucket list. Yeah. I mean. It- we hear about this idea of a bucket list and we all think we have a whole lifetime to, mm-hmm. um, to pursue the, the things on our bucket list and right. keep adding to it. And so when yeah. doctor literally said to you, it's time to get your bucket list out, what yeah. did you say? I, said, I know you don't know me cause I've only been here since June. I said, but my life has been a bucket list <laughs> and she just kind of totally lost it. Like, most people, when they're being told this, now I'm not going to lie. You know, when she's telling me about how there was absolutely worse on my PET scan, I mean, I was crying. I'm like, so this nothing helped. So yes, I did cry, but you know, halfway then I let it go, I settled down, and then I answered her that that we were fine, and we drew on a piece of paper where you know, large print, everybody knows, you know, and I understand anatomy you know, again, because my education. And so we were, you know, like, jawed out, like, how far did it spread? And, you know, um, so that's how we did it. You know, you talk about, so I'm thinking of, like, the big purge of stuff. We yeah. build up stuff throughout our lives, and it sounds like you had a purge a few years ago, but yes. when you were purging this time, you were looking at this from a completely different lens. Absolutely. It it wasn't about like, what do I not want to move again? It was, what do I want people to see or find or look at or read or analyze or make fun of, you know, or joke about when they are going through my stuff. Right. And I've done that. You know, I have a sister who passed, you know, 12 years ago and my other sister and I went in and, you know, cleaned out her house and, so in my mind, I was like, okay, well, I, I'm not sudden death, so I have enough time to decide what, on my terms, what, what do I want to bring to Pennsylvania, um, what was important to me, which came down to clothes and paperwork. Um, we went through, like, I had one bin left of pictures. We went through it. 
my one nephew was with us and he was like, oh, this was a trip we went on. So he's like, I'll take that, you know? And sometimes my friends had helped before I left. And I'm like, no medals. I had them packed away, take them. And then we went through and I told stories like, they could pick up a medal and they'd go, okay, well, that was Augusta 2009. So I had some fun telling those stories. I'm like, okay, done. I have the memories. I don't need the medals. Um, so not much came in the way of tchotchke and decorations, um, furniture, clothes, nothing. I have a Santa Claus that I've had since I was a child. But, so he came. But other than that, um, nothing very sentimental or... I'm done, you know. It's the things you wanted at the yeah. end of your life, right. or the things that you thought others may want, or yeah. they said they wanted them. Right, which is very little, because I'm not, uh, I'm a minimalist, so I don't have a lot of things. Um, there were a few requests, like my nephew has, uh, he's in Maryland, he has guided me several times, and I got him into triathlon, so that's our big link together. So he took my uh, Kona Ironman. I had that one really framed. I had a lot framed of Ironman stuff. And he was like, no, everybody was like, you cannot throw that out. And I'm like, but I used to keep it in the bathroom. That's where it was. And uh, <laughs> so my nephew was like, I'll take it. So we brought that one back. He has it in his house. But other than that, you know, there's no jewelry money. Like, we've been laughing since I've been here. Like, let's just spend my money now. Let's do what, we, what we've done that. You know, I've always done things with uh, people in my family. So there's nothing I need to leave them. I, we have great memories, you know. You know, it, going back to, to the village, because a lot of this discussion even right now is about the other people in your life who are important to you. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Boston and apparently like there is now Diane Barbarian day in Boston and just I happened. Know. Right. Yes. And I had no clue. Um, and people who know me. Um, so the link there is <clears throat> Massachusetts association for the blind and visually impaired, which um, is a nonprofit and they support team with a vision, which is a bunch of us blind, visually impaired runners. And they came into my life, which is very interesting. Um, you know, I started racing with a guide 2011. So 2012, we hear about the, um, marathon for blind and visually impaired is a uh, California international marathon in Sacramento. And they were going to, they do, um, the marathon championship for the blind and visually impaired. Um, so I thought, well, I should dip my foot in that and meet my peers and see who all these people are because they've been around a little bit longer than I have um, blind wise. So I'm going to go and I end up qualifying for Boston that year. Um, so I ended up in Boston 2013. And of course, as we know what happened in 13 with the, the bombing and, um, so my connection with Team with a Vision started like 2012, 2013. And so all my, you know, I went back in 16, 15, I did the, um, uh, what do you call it? The Boston Medley. So I went back three times. And what I would try and do is open up doors for guides. 
I'm not the fastest, I'm not the most competitive. So we would say, you know, diabarbarians coming into Boston, who wants a guider? Who, you know, who wants to learn how to guide or, you know, doesn't mind her pace and no pressure, but she'll teach you during a race. So that was kind of like my give back. I wanted to work with other people that wanted to guide. So I, I, 2015, I had 32 different people guide me. That was my goal in 2015. And I went all over the place, just picking up people saying, hey, what are... so um, I guess, you know, the group that I belong to, that village would be Team with a Vision. So they're the ones who came up with, uh, like a little gift to me was um, Go Long for Diane, which was this past weekend. And the idea was they're doing the virtual Boston Marathon. Um, so this would have been last weekend was the last long run characteristically for everybody. So they did a, a campaign and made my own ribbons, which are the two colors I see. So my ribbon is red and yellow and the hashtag was go long for Diane and people requested. Um, so that's what I thought, you know, well, we're going to talk about go long for Diane on Thursday night. And I find out that this councilman and, so they got together and now, yes, there is a Diane Barbarian Day. So, so this is going to happen every year. What day every is year. it? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going to get a proclamation from them. Like it's awesome. a very formal thing. Like this is like real. Oh my gosh. So it's August. 20- August 22nd. August 22nd. Yeah. Every year. Go long for Diane. Now yeah. that is a legacy, sister. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, I kind of want to talk... I want to make sure we hit on something really important, which is a big part of our discussion today is about advocating for yourself with the medical system. And it took a long time for this diagnosis to happen. It was like you kept going in and you weren't taken seriously. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that because this is a big deal and we don't want other people to have this experience. Yeah, I I mean, there I was, you know, again, reporting, but so the big key word is function. So again, like we talked last time, we're going to talk about it again. Um, And even this oncologist that I have here now in Philadelphia is totally confused by my reaction to pain. Um, Probably my reaction to her telling me to get off the bucket list. Um, but on paper, you know, and on this PET scan, um, the, the, you know, the spread of the cancer and how, how quickly it's going, um, how can I go a couple days without pain meds? Like she doesn't get it. Um, and what my tolerance is. So again, when I'm self-reporting over the years to my doctors, even though they know I'm an athlete and they've been with me for four years, if I tell you my ribs hurt and it's not feeling right, in their mind, why didn't I stop running? You know, it's like when I had the ear pain four years ago. Well, you know, it's chronic ear infection, stop swimming. So they didn't, they looked at me and osteoporosis as an over 60 year old female with documented osteoporosis. So <laughs> they didn't take that serious. But now when we look at everything, um, there was more bone cancer 
then there was the two masses and the two masses were controlled uh, with the radiation. I was already swallowing better and, and eating, but you know, what's out of control is the bone cancer and, and they missed it. I mean, I hate to say that um, they missed it because I didn't stop walking or running. They didn't feel like that was important to pursue any further. So it's partly too how you look, right? right? You would yes. walk in, you're robust, right. you're an athlete. They're right. like, you can't have something that serious. You just right. did five miles or, you know, yeah. you're training. Like I, oh yeah, I just walked here three miles. And when we're done, I'm going to walk another mile down to the pool and swim for a half hour and then walk home another two miles. And, and you know, they were saying, well, you know, if, if you have this much back pain or you're like, why are you still doing that? And of course, the therapist in me says, well, I need to keep moving, you know, um, but it was changing. My breathing was changing, you know, probably at the end of February, I'd gotten to like a, uh, you know, maybe 50 minutes into what was planned to be probably a two hour run. I was sitting on the side of the road thinking I should call for a ride home because I couldn't catch my breath, you know, and, and again, function now has definitely changed. Um, and then the vomiting started. So everything, but it was the not swallowing that got their attention, not you know, my complaints about bone, bone pain. Yes. And, you know, going back even to the athlete mindset, you know, we're tough. We push yeah. through things. Yeah. So when we actually, us athletes, right. everyone listening is an athlete here at some level, right? When we finally say it's bad enough to go make an appointment with the doctor, I mean, that's a big sign. Right. And so when you go to the doctor and they're like, eh, I don't think so. Because mm -hmm. they are, I've had this before, even just with blood work where um, they're like, everything's within the range. Well, right. guess what? The range for iron is six to 100 and mine was like 6.2. Yeah. So like as an athlete, that's not within the right. range. Right. So, you know, you somehow, I don't know how, what more could you have done or how yeah. hard can people push to make sure they are taken seriously yeah. because we are the people who know our bodies best. And, right? and, you know, and that's what I'm saying. So these are the same doctors I was telling for three years, you know, I'm still having trouble swallowing, you know, I'm still, you know, that's still a concern to me. Um, but again, that word function. So until something major and major function change for me was when I said, you know, I'm now sitting on the side of the road and I can't finish a run. Um, that, that got their attention. I mean, once, like when I did report this time, like I, I can't swallow right now, the rib pain's waking me up. It's that kind of pain, I know it's different. This is not like I broke a rib kind of pain. This is the kind that wakes me up in the night to say there's something going on in your body. And I kept telling them that. Um, so, you know, I don't know why they didn't pursue the whole, but, you know, it, 60 years old and you have bone pain, I, I guess could be osteoporosis, you know. So here's another interesting thing. I did consult with a rheumatologist and the medication uh, was not going to be covered by my insurance. So I was in the process of like, okay, how can I do this 
without spending $300 every time I need these infusions. Well, guess who's getting those infusions now for cancer treatment? I get that now. Now it's covered by my insurance. So there's another weird thing. What you refused to do for me when I was telling you I had body pain, now you're using it curative or palliative for relief now. Whoa. And insurance is covering it. So it's literally like a code. It was right. like a different code. Okay, Correct. if we use it for this purpose, now it's yep. covered. This is, I mean, it's just so difficult to figure out how to navigate this system. Right. It's like we need someone who's sort of a coach or manager through this process. Yeah. Do you and have someone? The, one of the other things that I, I want to, you know, always say is about advocating and you know, I always make sure I have somebody with me. Um, and of course, during COVID, not everybody could be with me, but we did speakerphone and making sure somebody else is listening because I have like, I could take it all in. And, you know, my healthcare background, I, I get very technical and I could sit down and write it all down, but it doesn't become diabetic personally until after that conversation's over and I have to look at it and like, this is my life, you know? Uh, so I ask different questions later on as do my friends, but yes, every, every time now that, that we go to doctors, it's always the question, well, um, what's plan B? What's, especially with the medication. So we're, we're dealing with that, having a uh, building up yet another new village of uh, medical professionals um, to help me with a lot of different questions and, um, the insurance costs. And, you know, I, I could tell you right now, every time I sit down at the oncology center, it's an $8,000 bill that's being sent to my insurance company. Jeez. So, so and I'm there every week. And so that is all covered or is that not covered? So a majority of it is covered. Um, I do have some copay. Uh, but again, if you don't do your homework and research and um, I, I applied for grants to help pay with, you know, because it's the medication that's expensive. Um, the doctors are fine. You know, your regular copay is, you know, bucks. You know, it's not expensive. It's the chemicals they're putting in your body that are very expensive. So, again, here's yet another lesson learned. Um, the Keytruda um, was a, it's a $2,000 drug. So my 20, you know, $800, but I, you know, I'm like, that's not going to happen. So what's plan B, where do we go? So I ended up getting a grant to help pay for that. Then I got here. We did the key true to cycle did not help. So going to another two different chemo drugs, um, and same thing where a medication is needed, but my insurance doesn't cover it, and it's a $2,000 drug, again, and how are we going to work this out? So is there a substitute? Well, they're passing me down to $3 a treatment as opposed to the 900 So, again, the advocacy, asking the questions, I've talked to other people who have cancer um, and said, you know, how are you paying for this? I mean, I don't know. Basically, I'm doing chemo for palliative care. 
They're just looking to slow down the progression because um, it's rapidly growing. And uh, so I agreed to this, but again, we're spending all this money to prolong my life, basically, to, to let me get a little bit more enjoyment. And I guess what they've said very openly is that bone cancer is very painful. So if they could slow down the prog you know, the progression, it may not be as painful. Uh, we're trying. Like, it's more like an Ironman than a sprint, right? right. It's a longer, <laughs> right. or lower level of pain right. for a longer period of time. Yeah. You know, earlier, um, I think prior to the interview, you mentioned this term chemo brain, which yeah. I thought was funny. And you said, I might have a little chemo brain today. I mean, you sound amazing, Thank but you. I can only imagine when you're in these meetings with doctors and stuff, like the ability to take all of that in yeah. with tied with the emotional yeah. strain of, of really understanding what's going on has to be so hard. Yeah. So I think you're right. Like having somebody with you or on these phone calls or whatever oh, yeah. is so important. Yeah. And I tell that to people all the time. And again, vision impaired, we're in this COVID situation. I have to go into appointments by myself. So not only am I at a loss visually, and now you're said to be in. And I just, you know, I mean, I'm from this area. Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia. So my doctor is in Philadelphia. But, you know, we got here. I'm like, take me to the office like a couple days before so I could make sure how I could do it myself. Um, so, you know, I deal with that other little obstacle, but I take notes for things every day of, you know, what, how my, cause I have to make this decision subjectively. Um, my agreement is if this is palliative care, I need to subjectively be able to tell you that it was worth it, you know, doing this chemo and now I'm getting white blood cell booster injections and you know, my, my niece is injecting me every morning now. Um, but see, now I lost myself again. Well, it's, it's, it's too much. It's yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, really you're hit with this news, which is your life on earth is going yeah. to end. Yeah. And I think to myself, like, first of all, I'm going to miss you a lot. You're an amazing person. Thank you. And this is really meaningful to me to have this conversation. So thank you. We all cry a little bit. So. I know. I do too. I still cry. Like I cry mostly mornings because I, I just love sunrise, you know, and I get up in the morning and I like sit outside and I'm, like, <laughs> I'm crying, not kind of a happy cry, kind of a little sad. I go through those little minutes, you know, I have a few, you know, little meltdowns every now and then where I go, Oh, I thought I was, I just did it a couple of weeks ago. I really thought I was strong enough to do this, you know, like, Seriously? <laughs> expecting me to be like the strongest person to go through cancer, you know, or through death. But I think that, um, you know, again, the athlete in us and um, wanting control, I think has been like for me to sit down. And like I said, I planned everything. Um, I've talked to my family very openly. And we did this before because, again, I'm – going to get old one day and what, what what are my thoughts so we we always talked about things and the last cancer I guess kind of brought it you know kind of clarity like okay so that was close what do we do if it really happens you know 
So in, in my mind, I had already um, decided from my religious aspect, there's something that I want done. And so I talked to my niece about that. So, you know. Can you share that? Um, yeah, I can. I mean, I, I'm raised Catholic. Um, so I did ask, we're going to set up for last rites. I definitely want my last sacrament. Um, so, yeah, I have to go to the church and tell them, because you know, I'm not from here. Uh, so meet a priest and put that all in, in motion. Money. Uh, <laughs> More money at the end. It is. It's a fact. It's a service. They're coming to do that. I'll call it a donation. Um, but, yeah, they'll ask for a donation. Um, I had already decided long ago that it would be cremation um, and that uh, since I do love drinking craft beer and when I travel, everybody takes me to I'm not beer, like a big drinker, but, you know, let me go taste beers. So um, we decided that my urn would be one of those little kegs. <laughs> I love this. This is amazing. Yeah. So, so the other night we were, uh, I have a nephew just graduated from college. So we already had the keg. So we did a toast for him and for Diane Bavarian Day because it was Saturday. And we made sure we drank out of the keg. And, you know, we're very, I want it to be, uh, I know it's going to be sad when I'm gone, you know, to, to not be around. But, you know, I think openly talking about it very selfishly helps me. I don't know how everybody else feels after I've, you know, said, hey, let's drink from my keg. But, uh, and I'm sure my family doesn't mind me sharing this, but um, I guess our way of dealing with some things is humor. Um, so, and maybe the keg idea is a little humorous. Most people would want a fancy urn, you know, but I, I don't, you know, I, that's, I want it to re represent my personality and it would be a beer keg. Um, so now they decided the other night that they're going to put the beer keg in the um, Christmas rotation where like when they do gift exchange. So somebody different every year gets the keg. So awesome. <laughs> I know our family's not right. I know people are probably listening going, that is not a right family, but it's right for me. That is the point. And, and that's you know what? What do you care what anyone thinks? Well, yeah, but I, I did. Obviously I did because I want it my way. Like, that's true. You care about what you think. I care about it. Yeah, I want it my way. But, you know, so it's, that, that's how a little bit of the, uh, so I put it on uh, my uh, Diane Barbarian Iron Maven page when I announced that, you know, my doctor told me about the bucket list. So, you know, now we're turning that page more into the Cancer Chronicles. And I'm very open when it's a good day, bad day, stuff that, you know, is going on. Um, but... See, you lost me again. Well, I actually want to interject because this is great. Um, I was on the Iron Maven page. I've been on there quite a bit. And uh, one thing I love is that, you know, when people die, everyone writes these amazing tributes. That's what I was, where I was going. Boom. <laughs> yes, yes. We're going in that direction. What I did not want was I didn't want a funeral and for people to show up. And what say to my family, you know, we're so sorry, or she was such a great person. Well, I, I want to hear all that. So I put on my page, there will be no funeral. I don't need, you know, like 
a street named after me or, you know, anything like that. Of course, just I got, a day. Yeah, just, just a, a day. day. <laughs> yeah, that came out of the, but <laughs> I think it's time for people to just share your stories about me. So I have just had the most fun hearing stories about, you know, and seeing pictures. Like my friends who come to visit me now will bring pictures and they're like, man, you did not smile in the 70s, you know? I was very deep, you know, I was very dark, very serious, you know? Um, so now, like, when I, I, I see I'm here three times a year, and I just put out a, a you know, a Facebook thing. Uh, this is the restaurant I'll be at on Friday night. And whoever shows up, shows up. But I still have friends here. So now they show up, and, you know, we just talk about grandchildren and, you know, things that are going on and, you know, most of them are my athlete friends. So we sit around and talk about the old days, you know. But um, so there's also this other component that I've always had that where I grew up and played sports is where some of my ashes need to go. Well, my friend who was in charge of that died in 2014. So now I've had enough time to find a substitute. So I have the next best friend in line. You know, we've been friends since we were 11. So she was like, I got you. We got that covered. So, so I mean, I feel almost at peace, I guess, with knowing that everything's set up. My family doesn't, it shouldn't be as stressful for them. So I feel good about the route we're taking. You know, if, there's, if one could. there's a few things that are like hitting right now. One thing is that why do we wait mm. to their stories about people yeah. can we just maybe today yeah like everyone listening yeah share with somebody yeah. some memory something that made you smile or laugh just share yeah. it with them it will make them feel great and right. do it yeah and and that's you know kind of the thing that i think it, what i'm learning is who i've been to people is that person who like always said something nice or you know, even like in, in my sport, sporting life, they were like, you know, you, you were always very serious and very intense, but there was always something like you did that was a little different, like in our friendships. And I'm like, I didn't know that's what I was doing. I just, that's who I am, you know? So, and I know you know this, my, my whole uh, story about growing up was being told that I was special. And, it, and I think I took that and thought, well, is that the key to, like, friendships is always making somebody feel special? That is a great point. I say yes. I do, too. And I think that, and when you do it, like, like you said, when we're together, you know, so if we're out having lunch and we're having a really good conversation, why not acknowledge, like, wasn't this like a great day to be together or, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm the village idiot because could I really be this simple? <laughs> and, and I think my answer is yes. I am this simple. At the end of the day, work for me. we make life more complicated than it right. needs to be. Yeah. And at the end, it becomes simple again. <laughs> right. For you, yeah, it's been I'm, simple. Like this is... I know you're, you're in your transition. Congratulations. Sold your business, moving, you know, and you, you use the word transition. 
And, and I used that word a couple months ago saying, I don't know what I'm preparing for, but I'm in some kind of transition. And I heard you say that you got, you know, that inner feeling like I'm on the verge of something and I, I respected it and I, I listened and that's why I think I'm ready. Uh, that's what, this is what I was getting ready for. So, you know, I still feel I will, um, I don't know what the, what that last look of life looks like, but in the doorway, I will still have both hands and both feet. Like I'm not ready yet. Yeah, that's how I feel. Like, no, I won't be ready yet. You know, something else. There's always something else. Well, let's talk about that. Cause you know, you, your doctor said bucket list time and you said, yeah. my whole life's been a bucket list, but yeah, arrogant, <laughs> but no, it isn't. It's, it's about embracing the yeah. joy of the life you've had. And yeah. um, for people who say, oh my gosh, I haven't done anything. Now I got to get on it. Like that, right. that's sad. That's yeah, that would make me sad. Yes. Like if somebody told me like, you know, you know, I haven't started anything yet. I'm like, mm. well, but I never had bucket lists. That's what I mean. Yeah. I didn't, when she said, you know, well, one, I'm like, so is it safe? You know, this is COVID time. You know, where am I going to go where I'm not going to be quarantined? Like, I, I'm happy with my family. Um, well, I would say that's your first thing on the bucket list oh. was you said, I'm going home. I'm going home. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, the humor side of our family. Um, I stay in this house when I visit. I'm here three times a year. A little empty nest. You know, one child has already left. And my niece and I are seven years apart. So we've grown up together. We've traveled together, you know. Um, so for me to be here is home. Like, because I, I have this, this room. But for me to be happy and insert my little humor, how I deal with it, um, my bedroom is called the penthouse. <laughs> my, my niece, who has the bedroom next to me, she just has the apartment. And then uh, I'm sitting in like a, an office side room. So my niece is the manager. This is, you know, her office. Her <laughs> husband is the landlord. That's who I pay the rent check to. So, it, you know, we, I have to joke around about these things that doesn't make it feel like it's, you know, I had to move from Florida after 30 some years. And, you know, now I'm like living with my family. This was not a step down. This was a step up. Like I said to everybody that this is the best assisted living facility I could have ever picked. You know? <laughs> I have dinner with my family every night. I see a bunch of the younger kids on the weekend. Uh, my friends who are retired or have time off have been stopping by and we just hang outside, just hang out. You know, what it says to me is that you made a decision to end your life surrounded by love, mm -hmm. energy, and support instead of ending your life alone yeah. in, you know, uh, COVID time oh. where you don't, you can't have that touch or, or ability yeah. to, to closely connect. And you made a different kind of decision yeah. and I, I applaud it. I love it. Well, and I, and this is what I'm hoping. Um, and we, we've talked about it in our family about, um, how taboo everybody, you know, no one wants to talk about death. Um, you know, none of that. And, you know, we have a bunch of children in this family. I, you know, it was like four generations and 
I need, I, I would like them to not be afraid. You know, they're not afraid of me. Um, they won't have to go to some formal scary, which is what I did growing up, going to these funerals. And, you know, I don't want that. I, I don't want anybody lining up to pay the last respects to what my family. No, I don't want that. But I, I love that now my family can hear stories. Again, the good thing about social media. So there's tons of people sharing, you know, little stories about where they met me, um, you know, what, what I said to them, like maybe one time that, that made a difference. Um, I'm having a blast reading everything. And then with, um, you know, the Go Long for Diane, my teammates were the ones who started that. And that went bigger than we thought because I ended up sharing like, oh, look what my teammates are doing. And then, then everybody was like, well, where can I get one of those ribbons? You know, so that, that went, that, that went far. So I had fun with that. And you know, who else gets their own cancer ribbon? You know, mine's in my own colors. I love it. I, I love it. It's so perfect. Yeah. You know, I was, I was also thinking about how you do look a little different now and your hair's a little different. Yeah. Did you, has, have you started to see some effects of like what's going on? Yeah. So today was the, the big day. Um, and I knew this from talking to other people. Um, apparently the drug that we used four years ago uh, only gave me little bald spots. So we just shaved my head down and I, you know, we didn't have to worry about all that hair all over the place. But today, like I, I called it the, uh, you know, the, the movie scene where uh, the woman's in the shower washing her hair and, you know, runs her fingers through and ends up with a lot of hair. And then, you know, visually impaired. And I'm like, what are these strings? Uh, you know, <laughs> that could be chemo brain too or denial. Uh, but, you know, just running my fingers through my hair just was like, finishing your swim on a, um, in seaweed or something. There was just so much. And I don't have a lot of hair anyway, but there was a lot. And I did like, oh, I'll, let me do that again. Oh, it should be done by now. And it didn't stop. It just kept going. And I'm like, then I got weird. I'm going to clog their sink. You know, I'm going to clog the drain. <laughs> <laughs> My niece and I, we tell each other, I tell her everything. So I'm like, um, you have to come up here. I have to show you. And she was with me the last time I shaved my head. And I'm like, I, I'm probably going to have to shave it because I don't want to keep finding the hair. But yeah, oh it, it was just seeing, you know, truly run your fingers through your hair and you, it kept coming out. It's so. the made for TV movie moment. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what they said. You know, I don't picture my last day of life, like the scene from Beaches where, you know, my best friend and I are sitting you know, on that perfect sunset day and, you know, where I'm getting ready to take my last breath. I don't know what I'll be doing, but, you know, I well, just want people to know that cancer is not as pretty as they make it in the movies. Yeah. And that is for sure. Yeah. You know, um, what are you doing to relieve the pain at the end? Mm. Because as you mentioned, this bone cancer is painful, painful. no doubt about it. So how are you are you able to get, get some relief from that? Believe it or not, that's the most confusing thing to my doctor, who uh, the day she told me about the bucket list and that my cancer spread, 
I had walked 2.7, you know, I'm never going to forget my numbers, 2.7 miles. Um, I was dressed, I always go in there dressed like I finished a workout, which is not really true, but that's the clothes that fit. Um, so I always look like, you know, like, oh, you're a runner. Yeah, you know, I got my hokas on, you know, and, and running shorts and usually, a, you know, some shirt. But um, lost me again. Well, we were talking about pain management. Oh, okay. So she says to me, this is what's the most confusing thing to me. I'm, I know what you look like on paper, and I know I'm comparing these PET scans, and you are sitting here, like, in crisp shorts, and, you know, I think I had an Iron Man shirt on, and I'm kind of tan just from sitting on the patio, and she's like, I, I can't, it doesn't match. She says, I'm so confused. She had actually called in another um, uh, radiation oncologist to go through because she was like, I want to make sure I treat you right. But I don't understand, like, what is your pain? And I said, I haven't taken pain medication today. And she was like, you didn't. I said, I didn't need it. So there are days that I don't know why I can go for hours without pain meds. So, but one of the other things that I, I always have had a problem with is pain meds because they don't touch the pain. They just make my head feel weird. So I don't like that feeling. So, of course, I discussed with them that I wanted to do alternative as much as I can. Um, I don't want to do narcotics. So I, I did the medical marijuana route, and um, we're working on it. I screw up a lot. and. I get what does stuck. that mean? You end up high? <laughs> I dress up a lot and I get too high. Yes. <laughs> and then I don't feel comfortable. Um, but I've, I've been managing like that. And then, so the other good thing is uh, it increased my appetite. So I, I, I gained weight. Um, but once I get down to figuring out, like, it should be a half a grain of rice instead of the whole piece of rice size serving um but i'm fine you know um so I what do you what what should we send you for care packages here what are you <laughs> craving when you're when you're managing that pain well apparently i'm i'm eating a, again i'm in philadelphia so I, i'm i've eaten more bread in the last four years <laughs> pizza cheese the philly cheese steaks um but my niece is an excellent cook, so I'm getting, you know, salmon and, you know, I'm, I'm eating right. And, you know, again, the, the social issue of being with people. So for the four years where I was still having uh, problems with my eating and living alone, I rarely had bread because I would choke. So now I'm with people. I'm like, well, if I choke, somebody will save me. At home, I held back a lot. And I didn't go out to eat a lot because it took me longer and I have weird, weird things to do to clean my, my throat out. So, but here I'm at home. So who cares? Yeah. And, and once a week I cook dinner. What do you cook? Takeout. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But my niece cooks every night. So I figure, you know, at least once a night I'll, I'll, I'll order in. So once a week I order in. So we did cheesesteaks last night. 
So Diane, let's talk about legacy. And I know, you know, bread and cheesesteaks is not your <laughs> legacy. No. What is your legacy? What are you leaving this world? I think um, I would have to say storytelling. I think people need to tell more stories about themselves or about people that are important in their lives. Because I think that's where legacy starts. Where, and I will tell you, um, I have gotten some of the most fascinating private emails and private messages from people who tell me that, um, you know, they've followed me or they have a friend who told them about me. So they're following me, you know, since my last cancer or since the first vision impairment. And they've watched like, but they tell stories. Like they're like, man, I tell people all about you. And, and that's what I think is, is legacy. Being able to, I don't care if it's a story about me or you're sharing a story about something you did in your life or, but this is how legacies go. You know, I met you, I heard about you from somebody. Um, it's, a, it's a joke in my life that it's the six degrees of separation from Diane Barbarian because everybody knows somebody I know or heard about me. So I'll give you an example. You um, just interviewed Elizabeth Carr. Yes. Okay. So how does Diane Barbarian know Elizabeth Carr? Right? So again, um, when she started Zell, looking again for different women, different backgrounds, I got a call from somebody she um, wanted to, actually I did talk to her, um, talk to her first, and then she found another writer. Then that writer ended up being a guide for me after we had that conversation. Then that person ended up being uh, doing a charity bib for Team with a Vision and ran Boston one year. Elizabeth and I reconnected when she actually worked for the nonprofit um, at right. Matt. So I like that kind of circle. That's yes. legacy. That's what I, I think legacy is, where yes. everybody gets connected through somebody else. That's legacy. And the only way you do that is by meeting people and talking to people. Six degrees of Diane Barbarian. Well, you know, you have that. You have that just by doing your podcast where, you know. I'm, you, one, of the, can, I'm one of the degrees the for everybody. Right. That's what I'm saying. So that's oh. legacy. And you're going to be a legacy because of all the people you've talked to. So they're going to be telling stories about when they talked to Nicole DeBoon. Well, my, my, uh, the stories with you are my favorite. Awesome. Sorry, Amazing. maybe cry a little. No, I'm not. So, no, I'm not. Before we, we start to wrap it up. Yeah. What well, did we miss? It. Did we miss anything before your nugget? Before my nugget, let's see. You remember your nuggets. Yeah, I always do. Um, now we covered that. Creating your own village, advocating, early detection. Now I think we got it. We nailed it. Did. You, you always make it very easy. You just did a bucket list item. I know. <laughs> Don't you kind of feel like, you know, in our own little fairy tale world that I live in, my world, um, you're like the, the last interview with like the big star. I'm the big star and you got the last interview. 
you, you know, it's like uh, when people want like their autobiography told and then like all the writers like contact this like famous person because they want to be the one to write their, their, their last story, you know, so that's who you are. I feel so honored, really, well, truly. You know, and here's that other example about if you don't ask, the answer's always no. And I really felt like part of my takeaway in, in life should be, well, telling people they need to build a village, but to um, kind of have this different view of death, you know. And, and if you live a life uh, well-lived, I think maybe that's why it's not so scary at the end. Um, I'm more scared, more, more scared. I'm more afraid of them that they keep telling me how painful it's going to be. That bothers me more than anything. Um, like I've been handling it pretty well. So what degree is it going to be that they're talking right. about? Right. Like it's, it's, it's the fear of unknown pain. Right. And, you know, I hate that fear of unknown. I mean, that's talk about out of control. And, and that's how I, you know, I know that. That, you know, if I start worrying about, you know, the last inning, I'm only in the first inning, then I'm going to miss all the stuff in between. So, you know, that last inning's going to happen the way it's meant to play out. But I'm not going to miss the first nine min innings, you know. I'm going to live it. You know, ending things is... It's unique because everything you end is new. And mm -hmm. I, this is so weird to say, but like you only have one chance to die. <laughs> like, right, right. I don't even, it's the weirdest thought. It is the weirdest thing. You know, it, 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 and the other day I was listening to, you know, the Eminem song, you know, if you had one chance, you know, one thing left, what would it be? And I think what a sad thing if people get to the end of their life and go, oh, what would I do today? You know, like, I don't have that sadness. I don't, I mean, I'll be honest with you, but I, I don't have it. I know you don't. And that's yeah. what makes you so special. <laughs> <laughs> We're crazy. Uh, We're crazy. I love it. So you want my nugget? Are you ready? Are you ready for the final question? Yeah, go ahead. You have to ask it. I've got to ask it or the answer will always be no. <laughs> thank you again for not saying uh. If, um, if you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? All right. So I'm going to preface this with like my humor, of course, that when I was growing up, um, I was actually very shy. So I used to use this line, and I think it was one of the Marx Brothers, the comedy Marx Brothers, who said... Uh, I, I wouldn't want to belong to a group that would have me as a member. And that's what I would tell people. Like, I was so awkward that that made me sound cool. Like, yeah, I, I just don't want to belong to a group that would have me as a member. But really, I've lived my whole life creating groups. So, so that's part of my message, to create your own village, um, belong to a group that would have you as a member. That, that's my message. And... Yes to allow yourself to be vulnerable. That would be my big thing. Be vulnerable. Because I think you get the most out of other people when you allow yourself. And that's what I learned with the first cancer. I learned that, you know, you can't always be guarded. That if you don't allow vulnerability, you don't get something good from another person. You're, you're cutting that, that possibility off. So vulnerability. 
Be vulnerable. You, Diane, are a gift. Your life has value and your legacy will live on. And and that's the thing. Everybody has value and everybody has a gift to give. But I think it's the vulnerability issue. People are afraid to, to like shine, you know, like shine in small spaces and then maybe you get better at it. I don't know. Yes. And then you know what? We're going to drink a beer to you, except I'll drink a non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic. one. But, yeah. but um, we will drink a beer to you when that keg has its oh, yeah. place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it'll have a place. <laughs> I want to be put on the Christmas list. Rotation <laughs> list. <laughs> I mean, I, I even have like the song picked out, like, which I did for years. Like, again, the old A League of Their Own. Um, that's kind of my life, you know, my friends are, you know, we're all getting together for like the hall of fame and we're, you know, telling stories about our, our sporting backgrounds. Um, so my friend who has the instructions about some of my ashes have to be on this field where I grew up playing sports and they of course have to all toast to me. Um, but the song, this used to be my playground, the old Madonna song, they have to play that. Oh, so this used to be my playground. So. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I've always had the like. That's what I want people to do. So I mean, I have it already. Now all yeah. they have to do is follow through. Okay, so maybe maybe instead of the nugget as your last question, <laughs> who would you choose to play you in oh. a Diane Barbarian story? Wow, I don't know. Somebody who's not willing, I mean, who's willing not to wear makeup, that's for sure. Um, who would it be? I don't know. Well, you got me on that one. <laughs> chemo brain. We'll blame uh, it on chemo brain. Well, you know, having never worn makeup and I'm very plain, you know, I'm you know, never quite, my niece buys my clothes twice a year or I wouldn't know, you know, I just not, not into that. Um, so to think of who would play me, I couldn't even imagine. I would have to be one of my family members. Wouldn't even be like, uh, you know, screen superstar. I don't know. Who would you want? Who would I want to play? Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm realizing what a hard question that is. Yeah. I'm glad I turned that around on you. Uh, you know what? We'll do a follow-up and we'll, we'll think on that. And we'll we can think both, about it. We'll put our, our two people in the post because, you know, this, the story's going to include yeah. your interviewer. So yeah. it's all good. Yeah. And, and if you want, um, you know, anybody that, that wants to reach out and, and communicate me, with me is fine. What I do ask is for people to remember that this was a personal story and, you know, I, I'm not a doctor. I played one at the nursing home for a while, um, Dr. B. But, you know, again, my feelings about the healthcare system and some of the issues I had are, are probably common, but, you know, I'm not bashing medicine or healthcare. I think I've gotten good care. And my views, of course, about the humor I find in my death, um, I don't want to offend anybody. So if they would hold off on writing me any things that like uh, negative, that would be great. If they have something positive to say, that's wonderful. But, you know. 
No one's going to write anything negative. Yeah. And there you go, because that's what you do. You perpetuate positivity Positive. and, and that is how you've been. And that is how you are going to go. I hope so. Diane, thank you so much. Thank you. you are, you Thanks are brilliant. For doing this for me because it, it was important to talk about it. It uh, is important. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Your work is not done, sister. No, not done we'll yet. all be following you. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you, you allowed me to do this. I, I do appreciate it. Bucket list. All right, you guys. What a great conversation. You know, endings are hard for all of us. It's hard to think about ending certain things that are important to us. We only have one chance at the end of our life to do it right. And I applaud Diane for, for facing her ending with such grace and beauty and bravery. She, she has so much wisdom to impart. Please go over to her Facebook and check out the Iron Maven and share your thoughts with her about this podcast because like she said, share your stories now because she's not going to be around to read them at her memorial service. And in fact, as you know, she's not even having one. And uh, I think that's a really great lesson for all of us. I think today is the perfect day to not only get over and tell Diane how much you love her and how much meaning her life has in this world, but to get, think about the people in your life who impact you deeply, who you don't tell enough how much impact they've had. Get over there and tell them now because they would much rather hear it today than when they can't hear or read it anymore. You know, I'm going to leave you with one of the little ditties that uh, Diane threw out there, and there are many ditties today. <laughs> she said that she believes the key to friendship is to always make people feel special. That's what I hope you get out of this podcast. That's what I hope the legacy that you know Diane is leaving, that's what I hope you feel from her. And that's what I hope you carry forward is that you also have the power and the gift to help other people feel special in this world. So there it is, everybody. That's it. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout. I'll see you next week.